Hello, everybody. Hey, let's talk about ditching the drama. Okay, so before we start, let me just ask you this question. Does anybody here have anybody in their life who brings a certain amount of drama with them wherever they go? Yeah, I do. I do. You know, I, I created this, uh, I guess, teaching, if you will, because there are so many people who are dealing with drama and it's all over the place, isn't it? It's not just uh, in the home or with, with your friends, uh, specifically in the workplace, right? So how do you deal with drama? Um, you know, I've worked with coaching clients and thousands of leaders, and I can tell you story after story after story of drama in the workplace. Uh, even from my own experience, uh, from being, uh, you know, a, a teacher and then uh, a school administrator, got a ton of stories about that. Uh, but then traveling around the world, not just Michigan or the United States where I live, but traveling around the world and seeing examples of drama pop up all over the place. And now I find drama fascinating. Uh, honestly, I've, I'm going to share with you the four pillars of drama today. I'm going to do it relatively quickly. Normally when I do this teaching, we have about two hours, uh, but I'm going to give it to you in about half an hour. So get those pens and pencils ready because you're, you're going to be taking a lots of notes. Uh, I'm going to introduce those four pillars to you. And once you truly understand them, once you begin to see them for yourself, so in yourself, okay, that's number one, because as, as good leaders, we don't expect other people to do something that we wouldn't do, right? So if we're going to address the drama in our workplace, we first got to work on it in ourselves. Uh, and when you understand this, you can see it from another person's perspective. And you'll know, do I, do I give this one power or not? Like, do I do something about this or do I ignore this one? And I think too, you know, powered with our teaching that we're gonna do soon that's labeled because people, you'll notice that uh, first of all, this is more of a, these are the principles of drama and our because people session that we're gonna do tomorrow is more about uh, the tips on how do you handle it when somebody else is bringing drama to you, okay? All right, so the one thing I know is that drama is a way of life, right? I mean, it's just a way of life, or is it? Does it have to be a way of life? And I'm telling you now, on the other side of, of this learning for myself, when I first was working with a mentor probably about five years ago on this topic, uh, I saw drama all over my own life. I didn't realize how much I was adding to the drama of my own life. And now I see it in a very different light. I see drama all over the place, but I have a very different relationship with it myself. Uh, individually, there's a lot less drama. There's a lot less drama in my house. Uh, I, I try to have clients that bring a lot less drama. Um, so I've learned some tricks and tools of how to deal with people. Uh, and so I, I, drama is, isn't a way of my life. And so I hope that some of the things that I'm gonna be sharing with you that the same is true for you. Now, I know this, that there's a danger in coming and watching this half hour and going, oh yeah, now I know about drama, right? Listen, <laughs> I have been in an intentional journey for about five years working on this idea of drama. I have learned a ton. I have been able to teach a ton to other people. If you think that watching this one half hour is gonna do it for you, my dear, 
Not necessarily so, okay? I hope that this is going to bring awareness to you that you're going to go, oh, aha, right? And then put a plan in action of how you're going to actually walk this out into your life, okay? Awesome. All right. So there are four pillars of drama. Um, before we get into that, I just want to cover a couple things about drama. So drama is very addictive. Now, I wish I had time to show you all of my slides that talk about science and data and research, but there's actually been a lot of research that uh, shows that when you are participating in something having to do with drama, um, so something that's emotionally charged, there, the same part of your brain lights up as if you were to be on you know, narcotics or drugs or alcohol, something that was dulling your senses. So the scientists now believe that people who are addicted to drama, they don't feel good when there's no drama. And so they have to create it in order to get that feeling, okay? That's important to know because just as you would spend you know, intense time, let's say, you know, AA, you know, that's a way of life where you're, you're plugging into a group of people that are supporting you. You're learning principles about addiction and recovery, right? Drama is the same thing. So if you've been addicted or you know somebody who's been addicted to drama in their life, this might be the door that opens you into a new way of living. Okay. Um, so drama is addictive and there's always a goal behind drama. Okay, there's always a need that drives the dramatic behavior. Uh, I wish I had more time today to talk to you about stick chick and how the brain develops and, and uh, you know, what's happening in your brain and your body and your behavior. But one of the key things that we talk about in that training is that all behavior comes from a belief. It comes from a need, a want, a desire. So when you can understand the need behind the drama, then you can start to maybe provide for that need. So a great example is, you know, sometimes people just need attention, right? Um, I have a doctor friend of mine. She's, she's great. She's an excellent family doctor. She's one of those doctors. Um, she works in a very large city, but she has a lot of patients because she treats them in the um, kind of country, uh, ho come to your doctor kind of feel, right? Very down to earth, very welcoming. And she has a ton of patients who she realizes they have dramatic medical situations because they just need somebody to listen to them. They need somebody to spend time with them. They need somebody to care about them. So she's heavy on the relationship and connecting with her patients. And she finds the more she does with that, the less medical issues that they actually have. Okay, it's fascinating. So when you know the need behind the drama, you can actually provide for the need in a healthy way, okay? Um, also, we're all guilty of this. We are all guilty of drama. Not a single one of us can say that we are not guilty of drama. We all are. Um, this comes from a low awareness. So what does that mean? It means you don't get it sometimes. Sometimes you miss out on stuff, right? Uh, I'll tell you this, that, that John Maxwell teaches about um, a principle called the Bob principle. He says, if Susie has a problem with Bob, if John has a problem with Bob, if Sally has a problem with Bob, who's the problem? Bob, right? 
And I can tell you that there was one day I was out and about in my community and it was one of those days I had a very small window, but I had a very long list of things I needed to do. And as I was coming out of town, I was kind of reflecting on my journey and I was like, man, what is with people today? Um, the lady at the bank was really kind of snotty. Um, the guy at the drive-thru was very rude to me. Um, the, you know, person at the post office, man, they could work on some attitude, right? And I was going down and I was like, I'm Bob, I'm Bob. If Sally has a problem with Bob, if John has a problem with Bob, if Susie has a problem with Bob, who's Bob? As I went through, I'm like, everybody else has a problem today, right? I don't know what's wrong with the world. Guess what? I might be the Bob, okay? Um, so we're all guilty of this. Uh, and it was just a low awareness moment. I, I was just, I wasn't thinking about other people. I was thinking about what I had to do, right? And also maturity level has a, a, a lot to do with it. We like to think that we can look at somebody who has a grown-up body and that they have a grown-up mind attached to that grown-up body. That is not always the case. All right. And then um, emotional intelligence. You know, we talk about your, your uh, intellectual intelligence, your IQ all the time. But we also know that you have an emotional intelligence, an EQ. And not everybody has the same EQ. Okay, if you're lower on that, on that spectrum, guess what? You're going to have more drama. Okay, so we really want to get to this place of understanding without judgment. Okay, so when somebody else is showing signs of drama, whether it be ourselves or whether it be somebody else, we want to get to this place where we understand it without judgment. So if it is ourselves, so in that moment when I said, oh my gosh, I'm Bob, I immediately went to why? Why am I, I causing other people difficulty today? Because you know what? The guy in the drive-thru, he really wasn't rude to me, but I anticipated, I, I imagined him going home that night and saying, oh my gosh, you have got to hear about this lady in the drive-thru today, right? I had become the jerk in his story. And so I had to ask myself why. And I came up with, well, I'm doing too many things in too short a time. And what is my goal, my purpose here in life? Is it to get my errands done or is it to bless the world, right? I forgot who I was in that moment and I needed that, that kind of calibration again, the reminder of who I am and what I'm about. Okay, so the four steps, the four pillars, you're going to want to write this down, I promise. Uh, the first one is jumping to conclusions, jumping to conclusions, this is where we make wrong assumptions about other people. And out of those assumptions, we say things and do things. Our brain is a pattern-seeking device. And if we only know, you know, two pieces out of this 24-piece puzzle about this person, our brain is going to try to fill in all the other 22 pieces of the puzzle. That, that's what we call assumptions, okay? So you are basically trying to get to know this person with limited knowledge. Now, on the flip side of all of this, I can tell you the best assumption that you can ever have in the whole world is to go into any interaction and assume you know nothing. Because once you get to this place where you know it all, where um, you see somebody doing something and you're like, that is not the right way to do something, right? There's only one right way to do it. 
Now you have entered into this jumping to conclusions based on your own assumptions and your own opinions. Okay. One of the things that I find is kind of tricky. Um, there is this uh, word play that we have, especially in the United States. So when we are giving somebody feedback, um, this is how jumping to conclusions or assumptions kind of enters into our language. Let's say you're working with an employee and you are wanting to give them feedback about their job. So I'll use an actual example, okay? So I was working with a, um, a leader, she's a school administrator, and she was coaching a teacher. So I was observing their coaching session. And the administrator said, hey, you know, Susie, you are really, you know, doing really well talking to parents. You're really um, connecting and building those relationships a lot better than you have been. But you're not doing X, Y, Z. Now, what does that communicate to you? Now, because I know a little about the concepts and, and language, anytime you put the but there, you have now totally negated what you just said. So all that good stuff that she just said, and then she said, but she negated all of that. So whatever she said on the, on the other end, it was going to be interpreted subconsciously by this teacher's brain as you're not doing this, right? And the assumptions that, that this administrator had about this teacher is that she wasn't doing X, Y, and Z. However, she was, but she didn't come at it from a question first, okay? So one of the tips that you can just do is anytime we call it, you know, removing the big butt, uh, <laughs> trying to remove butt from your vocabulary and replacing it with the word and. So you would say, hey, Susie, you know, you're doing a great job connecting with parents and building that relationships. And I wonder if X, Y, and Z would help you even more. Do you see the difference? It's subtle. But one word makes complete difference because you're honoring what she's already doing and saying, how can we up level that? Right. Which I can tell you that that teacher really wanted to do. So the, the administrator sabotaged the um, basically the whole coaching session with one word. And she used that one word, but because she jumped to conclusions that this teacher wasn't doing it. Now, see, what happened was when the, when the administrator said, hey, Susie, you're doing a great job doing this, and I wonder if you could do X, Y, and Z that might up-level this. The teacher's response was, oh, yeah, we're doing that too. Now she filled in those missing puzzle pieces that the administrator didn't have when she first came to the table. Okay? Subtle shift makes all the difference. Jumping to conclusions. Come in with that assumption that I know nothing. Try to ask a lot of questions. Try to ascertain what's happening here. What don't I know? Okay. All right. Number two. Number two is making stuff up. And you can label this one MSU. Making stuff up. All right. So making stuff up is simply uh, we create these stories in our minds. I'll give you an example. Let's say you wake up for work one day, you're five, you're getting, getting ready, things are happening, you're, you're doing your thing, and all of a sudden you jump in the car and you realize, oh no, I'm going to be five minutes late. The next thing in your head is, wait a minute, 
I was five weeks late or five minutes late last week. Shoot, I'm going to get written up. Oh no, I was written up one six weeks ago. Now what? Uh, if I get another write-up, what's going to happen? Oh no, they're going to fire me. Okay, if they fire me, what am I going to do in this current climate? Are you kidding me? I'm not, how can I just go out and find another job? Nobody's going to hire me. What am I going to do if I can't pay my bills? And this story goes on. It's like you've jumped on a train and you're on the track and you can't get off. And before you know it, you're living homeless under a bridge somewhere. We're making stuff up, right? MSU, we're making stuff up. Now here's the kicker. When you get to work, of course, you're gonna be five minutes late. First of all, who knows what's gonna happen, right? There are many things that you could do if you're five minutes late, you go talk to your boss, you know, that kind of thing. However, when you arrive to work, what kind of energy or what kind of, um, you know, attitude are you going to be in when you arrive to work? I could say, because, you know, I've done this myself in the past, you're probably going to feel a little uptight, a little anxious, a little overwhelmed, <laughs> and people around you can feel that. So, you know, a, a, a coaching client <laughs> one time told me this, um, she was having some issues in the workplace and that's why she was coming to me. She wanted to know how can I increase my leadership, especially building relationships, connection and communication. And one of the things that she kept coming back to was this one person that she worked with. And I was like, okay, it's, this person must be significant. Now, I didn't make the connection myself because it wasn't somebody that she was working day to day with. It was somebody that she basically passed in the hall. And she said this over and over. You know, I was going to the lunchroom and she, you know, didn't look at me because she's jealous of me. Uh, I, I was at the copier and she said this one thing and I think she said it because she really doesn't like me. She hates me. And I was like, whoa, okay. Uh, so I got real curious as her coach, wanting to know what the connection is here. Long, long, long story. We found out that she was MSU, making stuff up. Uh, she was just putting a label on whatever was happening. And when we got down to the nitty gritty of it, she had some issues with her sister. Um, there was some real tension between her and her sister and it had been going on for years. And for whatever reason, her brain attached to this person at work. She doesn't know her too well. She kind of had the same um, looks and maybe the same tone in her voice that her sister did. So subconsciously, she connected this person with her sister and she made stuff up. Our brains are tricky, okay? Very, very tricky. We get stuck in our story sometimes and we don't even realize it. You know, if, if you really want to head down into understanding more about that and you're a reader and a studier and you really want to know this, I would recommend any book by Byron Katie. So her first name is Byron, B-Y-R-O-N. Uh, her last name is Katie, K-A-T-I-E. Uh, and definitely get the book Loving What Is. And that's going to teach you a lot about your thinking and how we get on this train and how do you get off the train, okay? Um, also, you know, one of the things that I think about and I actually work with my coaching clients on is we do have this tendency to make stuff up. We can use that to our advantage. So think about it this way. If you're jumping on the train because you're five minutes late to work and you're gonna arrive at this destination of being fired and homeless, 
Could you not use that same time? Maybe you're five minutes late to work, but the next thought you have is, okay, I'm gonna be five minutes late to work. I acknowledge that, I, I get it, That's, that is what it is. However, what can I do to prepare myself when I, so that I'm at the best when I get to work? So maybe you think about, okay, what can I be grateful for at this moment, right? So gratitude is very powerful. And you start thinking about all the things that you're grateful for in life. Now, listen, you have no idea what the end result is going to be about being five minutes late to work until you get to work and you find out what the result is, right? But what if you spent that time doing the same amount of thinking just about positive things rather than negative things, okay? It's you're creating a new story. All right. The third pillar is looking to be offended. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but this is the person who especially, you know, they're like, woe is me. You know, they have that victim mentality, always on the search for somebody to be offending them. They play this game called, um, you know, who's the matter with me today? right? Not what's the matter with me, but who's the matter with me? Who's going to be my enemy today? Um, they kind of have that, that if you know, um, Winnie the Pooh, the Eeyore mentality, nothing ever goes right. Somebody's always going to hurt me. I have a dear friend. I love her to death. I have to limit my exposure to her though, because she is this person. Okay. Now, these are also people who tend to what I call church and job hop. So they are the people, let's say I'm, I'm, uh, you know, over here in this job and, you know, honeymoon effect is in, in full play and I love this job. Everything about this job is perfect. And then guess what? Somebody says something, something happens that I don't like. And pretty soon you're like, oh, I'm looking for another job, Right. They do this with churches, they do this with community groups, people do this with spouses, and, and they get to a point where something isn't perfect anymore. And instead of kind of going through that holy struggle of figuring that out, they just switch. I have some dear friends right now, they don't see it. They do not see it in themselves, um, but they are always looking to be offended. They, every time I talk to them, you know, maybe once a month we, we go out with these friends, Gosh, they're either at a new church, they're at a new job, they're, they're at a new community group, they're at somewhere new. And they, they think that they are expanding their horizons. And in reality, when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, it's they're looking to be offended. And as soon as they're offended, they are out of there. Okay. That adds a lot of drama. Okay. Um, for this one, honestly, it's gratitude is the only solution. When you're there, just being grateful for what you have in the moment, okay? Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow in our Because People session. Uh, but I do want to get to number four. So number four is not declaring noble intent. Not declaring noble intent. So... Noble intent is this idea that everyone is doing their very best, okay? You're giving people the benefit of the doubt, okay? You're not judging um, them because of what they say and they do. You're trying to understand. So, uh, you know, one of the things that we as human beings do, you know, I hear this all the time from people. Oh my gosh, that's just common sense. Okay, let's talk about common sense. So, 
if it was common, everybody would know it. And if it was sense, then it would make sense. There are many things that people label as common sense that are not common sense, they are your sense, okay? Newsflash, not everybody thinks like you do, okay? Not everybody has the same experiences, the same values, uh, the same walking out of life uh, circumstances that you do. And again, remember earlier I said it would be great if you just looked at somebody and you said, hey, they're, they're in an adult body. This is all the stuff that they know, right? In our education system, guess what? It really tries to do that. It says, hey, when you graduate at 18, this is what you're going to know. I can tell you from experience in the education world, that is not what you know at 18. Maybe the middle people, right? If you were to put them all in a graph, maybe the middle people, there are people on the other side that know way more than that. And there are people on this side that, I mean, they, they showed up, but it didn't get in, right? And so, you know, operating again under that assumption that everybody knows the same things can kind of get in our way. We judge people and we say they should know that. And therefore, when they don't, uh, you know, now I'm going to have a problem with you. Okay. So we judge them based on what we know, our thoughts, our opinions. Now I say we, because I'm fully in there too. I got to check myself on this one sometimes. Uh, I'll tell you this, that I, I used to uh, put 40 to 50,000 miles on my car every year. Now, COVID has significantly changed that. Uh, but a lot of driving. And I would tell people all the time, I don't have road rage, just a good healthy dose of road impatience. Okay. And when somebody would, you know, in my perception, they would cut me off. I would all of a sudden jump to conclusions, make stuff up. I was looking to be offended, but in reality, I was not thinking of them as they're doing the best they can. I just thought they're a jerk, right? And I didn't realize that I carried that attitude with me, not just in driving, but in other places as well. So one of the things that I started doing, just because I wanted to change this pattern of thought, was I started to think about where might that person go? So if I'm going to make up a story, let's make up a good one. Uh, maybe their, um, their mother is uh, in the hospital and they just found out and they're just not paying attention. Uh, maybe they're a new driver getting used to this, right? Maybe they're late for work. Maybe they're even later for work than I am, right? So I was making stuff up, but in a more positive way to kind of get my brain used to this idea of declaring noble intent, giving them the benefit of the doubt, saying they're doing the very best that they can with what they know and what they have, okay? I'll give you a great example and it's, I'm not going to, you know, I hope I don't trigger anybody here and I'm not going to tell you, you know, one way or the other as far as a political opinion here, but the office of the president of the United States, let me just say this, when you are um, declaring noble intent, when you are saying, hey, that person is doing the best they can with what they have and what they know, you can apply that to anybody who is in that office. I can tell you this, there have been presidents that I did not vote for, and there have been presidents that I did vote for all along my journey in my voting life. And I can also tell you this, that for each one of them, I had to say, I would not want to do that job. <laughs> and I don't know how to do that job. And I've got to trust the guy in the room. Okay. I've got to trust that the people who are trying to run our government are trying to do the very best they can with what they know and what they have.
Sometimes I might think I ha I know a little bit more, which, you know, highly arrogant of me, but you just never know. So the people who are in those highest levels of leadership who are trying to make decisions for us, I don't know, but I've got to think to myself, they might have more information than we do about things going on. Now, again, I don't, you know, didn't want to trigger anybody. So I'm sorry, take a breath if that's, that's the case. And I'm not saying anything about, you know, current or former or future administrations. I'm just saying that sometimes, you know, it's easy to look at somebody and it could be, you know, from the president all the way down to your municipal government and judge them based on what we think they should do. It's kind of like the Monday uh, afternoon quarterbacks or is that it? Armchair quarterbacks. Uh, you, you review the, the weekend's football games and you're like, oh my gosh, he could. He, I, I don't know how he couldn't see that. Well, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You, you get to notice more things, right? And it's when it's you who's making that decisions and getting stuff done in the moment, you're doing the best you can with what you know and what you have. And the more that you declare noble intent for other people, I guarantee you, the more that they will do it for you. And I always go back to this idea as a leader, If would I want to be treated the way that I treat this person? When I want to be respected and valued, when I'm making a really hard decision, how do I want to be treated? And I've had bosses before who made horrible decisions. I've been in situations where I, I counseled people and said, this is not good. You're going to lose money. You're going to lose people. And they did it anyway. Uh, and I had to just say, you know what? They're doing the best that they can. It's unfortunate and I'm not in charge. Okay. So declare noble intent. And you get to choose the lenses that you wear in life, okay? You get to choose how you're going to look at life. All right. So um, when we do these four, you know, causes of drama, so trying to understand them in ourselves first, right? So we want to make sure that we're understanding them for ourselves first and then addressing them in others. Um, honestly, that is the best way to do this. So where have you jumped to conclusions in your life? You could do a little inventory of your past. Where have you made stuff up? Uh, where have you looked to be offended? And where have you not declared noble intent? You know, I, you probably don't have to look very far. Again, we as humans, uh, you can probably look in the last month and say, where have, have those four shown up? And maybe you'll find out that one or two of these are yours, right? So maybe you don't have an issue with the looking to be offended one, but maybe yours is jumping to conclusions. Okay, so get to know you first. Now, couple thoughts as we're wrapping up here. Unhappy people justify their unhappiness. Unhappy people justify their unhappiness. You know, if somebody is unhappy, they're going to find all kinds of, of data and research to be unhappy. So if there's somebody in your life who's causing drama and they are unhappy, there's usually a very good reason to them why they should be unhappy. Sometimes I just let them be unhappy. Okay. I just limit my time with them. Uh, there are some people who cause drama because they have that need for attention. So I do try to figure out, you know, how can I supply this need within boundaries? So for example, if I have a, a, a sister, quite frankly, who needs a lot of attention and I try to give her some attention, 
but within boundaries. So I'll give you a little bit, but then that's it. Like you're not taking over my life, right? Some people have a lower level of awareness. So they just, they just don't get it, okay? And so uh, for them, I try to limit my time. Uh, if somebody wants to learn and grow and, and I can be of help to them in order to do that, I am all for that. If they have decided not to learn and grow and they just want to be stuck, that's okay. I'll come and visit you, but I'm not going to stay, okay? And I'm, we're going to talk a little bit more about some more tips tomorrow in our Because People section, okay? Uh, remember, drama is a pattern of thought, so people are not necessarily aware that they're doing it, okay? And if you have a victim mentality, this is the thing that I find, the need behind the victim mentality is that you don't have to do the things to be successful. You know, many people think that you have a fear of failure, that a fear of failure runs your life. The more that I go about the work that I do, the more I realize you don't have a fear of failure, you have a fear of success. Because if you're gonna go after the things that you say you really want in life, you're gonna have to make changes. And your dream, whatever your ultimate dream is, guess what, it wants all of you. It wants your thoughts, it wants your actions, it wants your TV time. It, you know, it might want you know, that time that you're gonna spend with your family in the evening to say, no, come over here and do this, learn this, right? And sometimes that fear of success is what keeps us in the victim mentality that says, oh, I can't have that. Oh, I can't do that. Okay. And that adds to our drama. Ralph Waldo Emerson, he's like my guy. I love him. Uh, he has a quote that says, where your focus goes, your energy flows. Where your focus goes, your energy flows. So, you know, if you're going to focus on the four pillars of drama, you're going to get more of that in your life. Now, I, you know, Michelle, you just told me I need to focus on these. Yes, but I want you to focus on them in the positive way. So noticing when you jump to conclusions and say, hmm, I've just jumped to conclusions. What do I want to do with this? Right? So when you're examining these four pillars in your life and trying to understand it, you're going to get more understanding and you're going to move forward in, in your growth process. Okay. Each moment is a choice, so make it a good one. Uh, and then there's three questions that I often ask. So, you know, when there's, when there's a, a situation or circumstance that kind of comes into play and uh, you say, uh, okay, you know, what's my role in this? Uh, oftentimes I'll have this happen with one of the kids. They'll come home, they'll tell me a story about, you know, all these different characters, something happened in school and it's high in drama. And you kind of think, man, I should be writing the, this down. This would make a good soap opera episode, right? And I think about it, uh, there's three questions I ask. Is this my business? So if it's my business, if it's pertaining to me and my life and something that I should do, then I need to do something about it. Now in that situation, no, that's not my business, right? Is this someone else's business? So in this regard, you know, many times, yes, it's, it's my child's business, right? Can I support and encourage them in this process? Yes, I can do that. And then the third one, you know, I don't want to get into faith necessarily here, but, um, you know, there, most people agree that there is some source outside of ourselves, whether you label that as 
um, God, energy, you know, whatever, the universe. Um, let's just use the common definition of, or label of source, okay, the source outside of us. Is this that entity's business? So for example, am I stepping into something that is not my business that is just for things to work itself out? Okay. Sometimes somebody will bring you a, a, a picture of drama and you're like, you get sucked in because you forget, wait a minute, this isn't my business. <laughs> Sometimes you get sucked in because it's their business, but you take it on for yourself. And sometimes there's something that's happening outside of us that we know nothing about that we just need to say, you know what, how can I support you right now as you're going through this journey and just let things happen, okay? So my business, someone else's business, source's business, okay? That's a good kind of filter through what should I do with all of this now, okay? All right, so tomorrow, again, we're gonna go through because people, and I'm gonna share with you tips on how to handle these interactions with people who might be bringing drama. So until then, one thing that I would really, really suggest that you do is to go through and just think about the last month. Where have the four pillars shown up in you? Which one of those pillars is yours? It's more of your pattern. Get to know it for yourself before you ever approach it with anybody else, okay? Awesome. Hey, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying uh, this intentional growth in 2020 series. Make sure you remember to uh, leave a comment at the end. Tell us what is your biggest aha moment? How are you going to put this into practice? Uh, and, and let's kind of celebrate with each other through that comment section. Awesome. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.